just recognise that we are part of this uh, bigger, wider family. Um, You may have noticed in the Fusion graphics, and you may have uh, heard Steve Oliver mention this phrase, new era. How many of you have heard the phrase new era already? Yeah, great. This is, a, this is a prophetic word that is over us as a family, as a movement of churches. It was given by a man called Rory Watts. I believe he's actually a South African. But they had a big uh, event in uh, Australia back in March. And he brought this word. And, I, and Steve Oliver, who oversees, leads, fathers our family of churches was really gripped in his heart as well as the team. Do be praying. Um, We want to keep praying. So the international team is meeting uh, this week from all over the world. They're coming to the central point of Dubai um, because that's how it works. There's an opportunity to do that. Pray for them this week as they're meeting. Um, Pray for Donna. Many of you remember Donna Bloomfield in the prayer meeting. We're praying for her. She goes off to Burundi again for a month. Um, tomorrow, so we need to be praying for Donna, particularly at the moment, because the situation in Burundi is not getting any better. So, if anything, it's getting worse. So, these are all part of our family that we're part of. But this word that came from Rory says this I believe God is taking us into a new era. It's not a change of season, as it's not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape, which brings about a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognisable by those who've experienced them before. We can see the signs right now. We can say, our oh, autumn is on its way. We recognise the signs. We've experienced it. You can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally new. And that's a big word. It reminds me often of a word that Paul Rass brought to us as a church probably a couple of years ago now. It's had that similar ring to it. There's, there's, a, there's a major shift. Now, we can see some things in the natural, can't we? I don't know how many of you are still hanging in there with the news on television or radio or the newspaper, but there are times when you think, There is just, you know, you hear these phrases, they talk about a seismic shift. Um, I heard, I think, two different news reporters on Friday evening, I was watching the news, and they were talking about, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, Now, I had a pastor friend that I worked with for many years, he used to say, what God is doing in the natural, he's also doing in the supernatural. And actually... We can sometimes look at what's happening in the natural and get very upset, very concerned, very worried, very anxious. But brothers and sisters, we need to keep remembering God is in control. Margarita, you're about to leave me because I need you, don't I? Are you all right? Okay, brilliant. Um, Margarita's going to share a quick story in just a moment. But there are, there is, there are, God is at work. Okay, And you can look at the natural and you say, we've never seen this before. It's, it's different, but actually saying, there's things I'm doing in my church. There's things I'm doing in the nation and in the nations, and my hand is at work. It is a new era in a number of ways. And so we're living with this as a church. We're living this as families of churches. Um, I believe it will mean significant change for us in all sorts of ways. 
Um, I'm going to get Dave and Sandra, or I should say Sandra and Dave, to share um, something of their story of what God's been doing in them in recent days. Um, They don't know this yet, but probably on the 22nd, so there's your notice, okay? Um, So, but... um, uh, um, if, if that's okay. Are you, are you here on the 22nd? Yeah, well, good. <laughs> um, but it's something very different. And I remember Sandra saying to me, without spoiling all her thunder, but she said, this is, not, this is not what I would ever have done before. But that's what God's doing. That's what he's doing. He's at work. And we need to respond to that. Now, I am going to come to Scripture in a moment. Those of you who are saying, he hasn't even mentioned the Bible yet. I will, all right? We, we are mentioning it all the way through the whole morning. I'm sure you've seen that and known that. But I, I mentioned in the weekly news, uh, the week before last, I told a little story, if you read it, and I mentioned it again this week, that one of our favourite places to go on the island as a family is Colwell Bay. How many people like Colwell Bay? Yeah. Um, apparently it's very different now to what it used to be but I like it how it is now now you have to get the tide right I know it's tidal and we do get it wrong sometimes but I love sitting on the beach uh, at Colwell Bay I love watching all the yachts and the powerboats coming and going primarily to visit the hut um, the, the restaurant there but there's a lot of activity and there's things happening but what always strikes me about Colwell Bay and I've said this is what you can't see when you're sat on the bay, it's true of Totland as well. But if you are prepared to disturb your comfort, if you're just prepared to go <gasps> and get a gasp into the water or maybe get on a kayak and just go out into the bay a little bit and look to the left, you have this incredible view. Does anyone know what the view is? It's of the needles. The needles are just there to your left. But... If you never leave the shore, if you just sit on the beach, you never would know that the needles are just there. You never would know that that view was there. You could come down to the beach, you could enjoy what's immediately in front of you, but you could miss the moor that is just out from the shore. One of the things I think about this new era is that I believe the Holy Spirit is increasingly calling us as individuals and as a church and churches to move out from the safety and the comfort of the shore. Because there is so much more that he wants to show us, there's so much more that he wants to do in us and with us. But we could so easily miss it if we say, do you know what, it's really comfy here on the beach. I like being on the beach, it's nice and warm, it's sheltered, I can watch people coming and going. I can wonder where those boats have come from and actually miss the more. God says, I want to show you. I want to show you vistas. I want to show you my purposes and my plans. Now, at the prayer meeting on Monday evening, Margarita shared a a remarkable little story with us uh, and then she made a a point of application and I've asked her if she would just uh, quickly share that again today. So let's just welcome Margarita. So, it was interesting uh, on Monday. I had decided that it would be good for me to attend in the evening. Um, and I was at work, the ones the visitors might not know. I'm, I'm a GP. So, I was in my clinic, and a few days earlier before then, I've been thinking about a patient of mine that I'd seen through two, three months earlier um, with 
quite significant condition, and I had lost track of her. This happens to me quite often. You know, I, I'll think of somebody, oh, I haven't seen that patient for a while, and two days later they'll turn up. So what happened that day, I was sailing through my morning appointments and then in between, you know, we try and multitask, do lots of things at the same time. I was looking at the piles of documents of patients. They are really, really boring and painful. And suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly my eye caught the name of this particular lady. Um, and I read the report of this lady and I thought, oh my goodness, this is really unusual. So I decided, which I normally really never do, you know, from a document to give her a ring in the middle of the morning, um, take my chance to get through to her. And I'll just go back now in, in what was what happened um, two months earlier. So this is a woman that is fit and well, hardly comes to the doctor. I've seen her a few times earlier. She is very, she's a business-like lady, as a matter of fact, and um, we tend to talk a little bit about life when she comes in. But she had come that time, two months earlier, and uh, she was presenting with some very vague symptoms. And uh, I examined her, and the moment I felt her tummy, she had an enormous, an enormous mass in her tummy, talking size of nine months pregnancy. And um, so... I knew, my goodness, this is, this is really serious and it is not what she's expecting. So she sat down and, and in the, I tend to, if I find something significant, I'll tend to tell the patient, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think it's important we need to be doing, going ahead, making some referrals, etc. So, but as we were chatting and I was getting ready to give up that news, um, I felt compelled in my heart to offer her prayer, which is something I shouldn't be doing. And I know there are colleagues here that will know that you know, it's inappropriate in a consulting room to offer somebody a prayer. But I had, you know, and, and when this happens, I almost feel, I feel my heart starting to beat here in my throat. And I, I said to her, you know... Um, well, I, I'll offer something very unusual, um, I, and you could say no, but I feel like I want to pray for you. And I prayed for her. I had no idea what was going to come out of my mouth. But I was standing behind her, held her by her shoulders, and I cannot tell you what happened. It's, it's nothing else but a, I really felt the spirit was flowing. And her soul, her body was so receptive to it. It's unbelievable. I mean, people like me who spend their days feeling other people, uh, could under, yeah, I could just feel the receptiveness of her spirit. And both me and her, you know, words were coming out of my mouth and we were praying and we were both moved and in tears and I hugged her. And, and, and actually the prayer went on in saying, you know, give, equip this woman, give her the strength to walk down and trust in you and... Uh, you know, give her the strength. It was, it was not a, a prayer about, okay, healing, or it was a prayer about give her the strength to keep walking. And then at the end of the prayer, I said, you know, this is very serious. Uh, it's a large, it, it's a large mass. It's, I don't know what it is, but it could be serious. So she knew that we're talking about cancer as a possibility, and I'm doing a cancer referral. So lost sight of her. We spoke once afterwards, uh, and she was, you know, going down, down the line. They had told us, she seen the specialist, that this is really serious, most likely it's cancer. And the letter, back to the letter that I caught that morning, it was saying a diagnosis, which is very, very, very rare. Okay, so we see quite a lot of this particular condition, 
and 98% of the cases will be you know, one or two types of, of cancer cells. But this was an unusual type of, of cancer that she was having. So on the phone with her, she said, oh, thank you, you know, I didn't expect you phoning me. And, you know, she said, you would not imagine what happened. I was told it's cancer, I had an operation, it went well, but I was told it's cancer and I was called by the specialist and oncologist to discuss the treatment. And, you know, I had been, what you did that morning for me, it was just, it was just, it was strange. What did you do for me? It was bizarre. You told me I'm having cancer and I walked out of that room lying. I felt on top of the world. She said, my daughter told, Mom, have you lost your marbles? What's going on? This is serious. So she said, I felt at peace. I felt empowered. And she said, it's Jesus. She said, I went in to hear that I'm going to have chemo. I'm going to have radio. And the oncologist turned and said, this is really strange. This is a very rare embryonic type cancer and um, you're going to have radiotherapy and you're not going to have chemotherapy and and you know what followed I'm in the middle of my room the people are walking in and what followed is this lady who was not expecting me saying it's nothing else but Jesus it's Jesus it's Jesus hallelujah he's in my life you know and I, I know my daughter I speak to everyone this is a miracle so I want to leave you with the application the application I've been looking at, uh, I've been looking in the last six months at a very interesting research uh, done by a Christian lady about miracles. So she's conducted, done a PhD and looking at the facts and trying to, you know, collate them. And the bottom line is miracles are happening. Miracles are happening. And you know, those of you who think they're not, you're just missing the fact that they're happening. You're not noticing them. <laughs> You're not noticing them. So I guess what I want to say and, and leave you, this morning when Mark asked me to share the story, I've been thinking we all tend to focus on the visible. We need to be aspiring to focus on the invisible because that is where that super power and spiritual miracles are happening. Uh, and if we want to catch on it, if you want to catch on that boat, we really need to be spiritually receptive. Pray for that softening of the spirit and focus your, whenever you pray, focus on the invisible. Tune in, stay still, and you know, pray that you will get that revelation of the invisible because we are all going to be a part of this wonderful new year of miracles. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess I'll say thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, Marguerite has lots of application, which, and I love listening to her, as, as I know you do, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. On Monday evening, she said something. I just wanted to throw it on the screen. She said, I believe we need to be a radical generation. And uh, it just gripped me when she, when she said it. I want to ask you a question. Does that look like you? Now, it will be different things for different ones of us. We're not all supposed to be the same. Do you hear that? We're not all supposed to be the same. But we all have a part to play. And uh, I just, when I hear stories like that, my faith rises. I just find faith rising. And so I, I'm asking God. So if you did feel this morning, both Mike and Jill and Susan were very brave in sharing those, what I believe are specific words of knowledge, 
Even if you don't feel that you want prayer or you're nervous, can you just tell them, that was me, I was so encouraged by that, because that will encourage them. But we need to believe God for more of these things. I've noticed that across the church, different people are growing. I want to encourage you as a church. People are growing. There is a confidence in God that is coming. I've seen it. I'm observing it. Wherever I can, I try to bless it and, and encourage it and give thanks for it. And God, uh, people are stepping up and they're stepping out. And I believe we'll see more of that. And one of the phrases with this, uh, and I'm coming to the scripture, one of the phrases that I love with this is about running in your lane. Do you know that one? Running in your lane. The question is, do you know what yours is? I'm going to pick this up again uh, next, uh, when I speak again uh, the week after next. But running in your lane. You see, when you're running in your lane, there are a number of things that happen. Firstly, you find there's a far greater effectiveness in your own life because you're not trying to do and to be everything. All right? Please, nobody go and try and be Margarita. All right? You, you know, she's a, they broke the mould. She's a, you know, but that's, but that's true for each one of us, but we can be inspired. But what is God calling you to? What is your lane? And I, I believe in this new era, churches will find their place, individuals will find their place. So first thing that happens is that you find you become more effective in your own life because you're not trying to do and be everything. But secondly, when you're running freely in your lane, then many others are released to run in theirs. All right? Because there are some things that you probably shouldn't be doing that others should be, but there isn't room for them because you're trying to run in about two, two or three different lanes. I know this one in my own life. I work on that one a lot, so I have to be, I am aware of it. But just moving on swiftly because of time, part of the, that prophetic word that Rodney gave us at our ninth anniversary, we often as a church refer to it as the lemon tree word because it was about the lemon tree at Osborne House. But he talked about us being a fruitful church. And this was part of the, the word he gave us. You will bless not just cows, not just the Isle of Wight, but the nations. He's calling forth fruitfulness from wherever people from Apex find themselves. And those who have lacked fruit will become fruitful. You're about to enter a new decade of fruitfulness as you enter your 10th year. There's a new era, isn't there? Okay. But this is something I think we just, each one of us, we have to keep saying, what's my part in that? When you hear something of Sandra and Dave's story and you say, here we are in cows and, and the context that we're in of this town, of this church, of this island, and yet God says, I want to bless the nations from you. And, so, and we hear this coming prophetically and you think, oh, I don't know how that's going to happen. And then Sandra comes to me and she starts to tell me a story. And I go, wow. And... Uh, want to hear that story in a week or so's time. Just read to you from Exodus chapter 18. Unusual story in some ways, but it's one that I love. I just want to read it. Jethro, the priest of Midian, was the father-in-law of Moses. He heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah and his 
father-in-law Jethro received her and her two, two sons. One son was named Gershom, and Mo, for Moses said, I've become an alien in a foreign land, and the other was named Eleazar, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped, near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I am your father-in-law Jethro, I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and greeted him and kissed him. They greeted each other and then they went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they'd met along the way, how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of the Pharaoh who rescued you and rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God and Aaron, came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them <coughs> excuse me, of God's decree and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God. Bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials, over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. Have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel, made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Now, there is lots in that story, and I've been meditating and reflecting on it for some months, and, and I think there are applications uh, in all sorts of ways, that not just for us here as a church, I think for us as a movement, uh, a family of churches. I just want to highlight um, a couple of things today, and uh, may well pick it up again on the 22nd. But Jethro, even Jethro here, has a particular lane. He has 
alone. See, some of us, I believe, have been called to be spiritual fathers or mothers-in-law. We have a lane. There's a, there's a role for us to fulfill. There's something that God has called us. Now, some of us might not recognize it. Some of us might say, who, me? But some of us are there to quietly listen, to observe, but also to encourage. On occasion, to have courage to point out with love and grace issues and things that are not so good. I value Mike Groves in this as a person, for me. For me, he's like that spiritual father-in-law. Mike will listen, observe. He doesn't say very much. And then every now and again, he'll have a comment to make, something. And, and he'll just want to tweak. And he'll say, can I just suggest to you? And it's wonderful. And I thank God for it. But there are others of you who need to be running in that lane. It's not for everyone, but it is for some. To build and strengthen, to listen and encourage, to speak truth to power. It's not for everyone, and it takes time to become that person. Back in the mid-90s, just to give you a bit more insight about me, I don't know if I've ever told this story. In the mid-90s, I was about 30, and uh, I was in a particular time of prayer, pushing into God. I would take time every day in a very specific way when I was working um, but I would get up early, early before I went to work. Um, sorry, I was working in a secular job. I'm working now, but it's different. Um, and I would seek the, the Lord. I would read my Bible. I would talk to the Lord. I would make lots of notes in my, my journal. And one day, when I was praying, God gave me what I can only describe as a prayer to pray back to him. I don't know if any of you have ever had that, but it was a prayer from God to pray back to him. And, and I felt God say to me very specifically, ask me to make you a father in the churches. Now I was 30. I was, uh, I was in leadership at a level in the church, but I, I didn't have very much influence and I certainly wasn't travelling to other churches in any other way. And I remember at the time thinking it's a very unusual prayer to pray, but I did pray it. And I prayed it a number of times over the years. But I also reflected over the years, how, how, what does, how, how does this work? How, what does this look like? When will it happen? And I would ask these questions of myself and of the Lord. What I didn't realise at the time, and in fact still didn't realise until quite recently really, in recent, recent years, recent months, was it was going to take the next 25 years for that to even begin to come to fruition. Years of growing, years of making mistakes, years of lessons, years of encountering all sorts of different people from all sorts of backgrounds and nations, all sorts of different personalities, people with all sorts of pains and challenges and concerns, people with different gifts. Years of watching, observing, learning how to recognise the voice of the Spirit. Now please hear me, I'm not in any way saying that I have arrived somehow. But what is interesting is that it's only now, in much more recent times, that that specific prayer that the Father gave me to pray back to him has, become, uh, has begun to bear fruit. 
Probably it's part of my role, and I thank God for bringing me here in this church, because this church has released me to be me and to be myself. But probably not a week goes by when at least one other leader from some other church, whether it be here on Cows or in other parts of this nation or other nations, is in touch in some way to chat, to talk, to pray, to share. Even just this week, three different leaders from different places outside of here, as it were, have been in touch to talk and to share. Something that God is unfolding. Now, why am I telling you this? Partly because I want you to know that it's part of my lane. It's part of what God has called me to run in. But also, I want you to know so that you can pray. You can pray for me. I want you to know that it's by God's grace that it's also part of the fruitfulness that God has spoken over this church. Recently, Steve Oliver, the man that you saw on the screen there just now, said to somebody else of this church, that is a very significant strategic church. He wasn't talking about me, he was talking about us as a body and as a people. Now, I think Steve came here once, a long time ago, but he's not been here. But there's something that God is saying to us. But I want to just say this to some of you guests, visitors here today. But I want to say that as we heard from Margarita, as we're used in the hands of God, as we have our eyes fixed on him, he wants to take us places. There's things that he wants to do in us and with us. Now, I realise that I've run out of time and I've got a page of notes. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking how many minutes Paul would think he could just squeeze it. <laughs> I, let me finish with this, and I think this is important today. Um, again, from, from Rodney's word, I mentioned just now, didn't I? Something that you would not normally expect to see. In this place. It's important to understand, brothers and sisters, the word lane. When you think of the word lane, the lane is not supposed to be a limiting thing. All right? Running in your lane is not a limiting place, it's a place of freedom and joy. I love watching rugby. I'm very excited about the Rugby World Cup coming up. Some of you, it might just go over the top of your head. All right? But one of the things, you say, it's so complicated, I can't understand what's going on, and they seem to be going backwards when they're supposed to be going forwards. But when a rugby game is played at its absolute top level, which it will be in the World Cup, it's the most glorious thing to watch. But it's played within a lane of rules and and boundary lines and so on. But those men and women uh, who play rugby in that sense have a glorious freedom within the lane of what they are doing. So to pick up the spirit of what Jethro said to Moses, we need a whole army of capable men, and I'm going to absolutely say here, and women, okay, men and women, willing to run, willing to carry the load, who love God, who love his ways, who are happy and content to run in the lane, the right lane. Now, for some of you, it will be 
with tens. Some of you will be with fifty. Some with hundreds. I believe even some with thousands. I can imagine Margarita standing before thousands. Can't you? I can imagine it. I prophesy it. Now, some of us might quite like the hundreds or the, t- or the thousands. We might say, oh, I really fancy being amongst the hundreds and the thousands. And the Lord is saying, here's ten. Will you care for them? Here's ten. Just look after that ten. Some of you might even say, do you know, I'm best one to one. And the Lord says, yeah, but t- the days are short. The Lord is returning. I want you to take ten. You're great one to one. But will you take five? Will you take ten? Will you begin to let that influence grow? There's one thing I've learned in all of this. It's about being secure. It's about knowing your place and your part. It seems to me that Jethro was very secure. This is Moses. This is the the one who has led the people out of Egypt. This is the one, what you're doing is not good. (laughs) I think that comes from quite some security. I think there's an authority there. Now, there's an honouring. There's so much we could talk into that story. But knowing your place, stepping into it, in the secure knowledge of who you are in God, his calling on your life, and, by the way, that you're among friends who are going to cheer you on, who are here for your success. And I think I loved what Mike did this morning. He said, brothers and sisters, let's not forget we're in a family. We need to cheer one another on. We need to be in touch with one another. We need to be uh, encouraging one another. Okay, just literally as I finish, it's two minutes. I want to mention Ashley here as an example. Okay, Ashley's gone, oh, what's going on? Okay, see, what I believe in, we have emerging here in Ashley is a significant Bible teaching gift. I absolutely believe it. And he doesn't do any of it without Hannah. I'll come back to Hannah in a moment as well. But in years to come, I believe, I prophesy, that Ashley will stand before hundreds, quite possibly thousands. But he needs to be allowed to run in his lane. And he needs to be allowed to learn to run in that lane. One of the things I've done is to, I've approached the trustees of the church and I've asked that we can add a further day of the church's uh, support to Ashley to five days a month. At the moment he's on four days, just to up that uh, one day a month to five days. And thank you to Mike and Sue for releasing him in that as well. Now, you might ask the question, yeah, but what, what does he do with that? What does he do with that? Well, one of the things I want to just tell you is that every Friday morning, almost every Friday morning, he and I meet together for two or three hours, and often with Hannah as well. We talk. We talk God. We don't gossip. We talk God. We talk of the church. We talk of the Bible. We pray. We laugh. And I want to tell you, we cry. Those times are vital for him, They're vital for me, and they're vital for you as a church. They're times of growth and development. But for him to grow and be effective in the lane that I believe God's calling him into, he needs time, he needs freedom to read, to study, to think, to pray, and to read some more. 
Brothers and sisters, a sermon like last week, last week's sermon, which I said to everyone, you should listen to again. But a sermon like that sermon of Jesus, the rock who gives us the solid ground uh, to walk on, doesn't just appear. And it certainly doesn't appear without notes. Don't ask me how he does it, I don't know. Okay? His brain is different to mine. What I do know is it comes from spending time in the Word. Hour after hour in the Word, in study, in prayer, and meditating, digging, tracking that word rock right the way back through the Bible. For months, Ashley's been tracking the word marriage right the way through the Bible. And I was just listening to him on Friday as he talked about uh, the the picture of marriage through Scripture and God's covenant relationship to his people. And I just sat there mesmerised. Now, sure, I know some stuff, and sure, I've studied some stuff, but God gives gifts to his church. And so part of that development and part of the reason why we're doing another day is that I'm really pleased to be able to say that every other month for the next two years, we are sending Ashley up to London to be with Daniel McLeod. You saw him as one of the speakers there uh, on the stage. A whole bunch of other men and women who are going to study the Bible together. They're going to debate, they're going to discuss. Iron will sharpen iron, to quote scripture, uh, and he will continue to grow in that, and that starts the the week after next. Um, He and Hannah are also picking up with people behind the scenes in different ways. There's encouraging, discipling, strengthening that's going on. I love the way they work in partnership together. Um, And I believe that there's more of that that God is going to do in them and with them. It's another part of their lane that they will grow in. But there's many more of you who God wants to clarify in you your lane, the lane that he's called you to run in, to to begin to run with freedom and joy. Maybe even some of you are visitors here today from other churches and the Lord is saying to you, I want to get hold of you again. Will you let me have your heart? Will you let me show you what I have for you? Can I invite you to stand? Thank you for your grace. Extra couple of minutes there. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just reflect. Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything he said. Some of us, I believe, here this morning, need to be willing to receive fathers and mothers into our life. Maybe we've isolated ourselves. Maybe we've, maybe we've said, do you know what, I think I know best. We know what it is to be children. We know what children are like. And there are moments when as mum and dad we need to speak and we need to point things out. If you go down that road, this is what will happen. We don't find that easy as adults to receive that in our lives. But there is a place for us to receive that input. One of the challenges sometimes is when someone who is younger than us comes to us as a mother or a father in the Lord with wisdom and insight. And that's hard. That is hard. I just feel prophetically that for some of us we need to be ready to receive input 
receive the wisdom, receive the warning, whatever it might be. But of course, as I've already said, others of us need to also be ready to be that. Full of grace, full of love, full of compassion, not bashing and beating, but coming alongside, observing, encouraging, building and strengthening. And just on occasion saying, just be aware. Just be careful here. So there's a giving and a receiving of that. Many of us, there are things that I believe God is asking us to pick up to begin to run with in our lane. Some of us are juggling too many things and maybe we need to put some of those down. Others of us have been sitting comfy on the beach, as it were, and the Lord says, come out into the water. There's purposes I want to show you. There's glorious vistas I want to show you. There are lessons I want to show you in responding to my spirit. Even when the world, even when professionalism says, you really didn't ought to do this, but I want to teach you how to move in my spirit. I want to teach you how to be obedient to my spirit. But you're going to have to get off your blessed assurance and you're going to have to begin to move. You're going to have to begin to get into that kayak and begin to paddle. You're going to need to get into the what initially feels like a bit of cold shock, but actually, as you swim out, as you move out in my purposes, I've got incredible vistas to show you. I've got a world to be saved. I've got nations to change. I've got towns and communities and neighbourhoods to work in my purposes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your long-suffering heart towards us. Lord, we thank you. I want to thank you for everyone in this place who, who's bravely beginning to step out, is saying, do you know what? I'm going to step up. I'm going to step out. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to minister. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help. I'm, whatever it might be. Lord, I, I pray for more grace upon us. I pray for more strength, more courage, more faith. Father... Lord, we thank you for the story we heard this morning. We ask your blessing upon Margarita Uman and the family. We say, Father, I pray that those stories would begin to be multiplied, multiplied, multiplied across this body. Let faith rise up in us. Lord, as we hear the word of the Lord who, who says to us, come, come run with me. Come run in, in the lane that I've made with you and see, see the race that I've laid out before you. Lord, help us in these days. Strengthen us, bless us, equip us and enable us. For your glory, Lord. For your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.